<laughs> a lot of pressure, man. Yeah, it is. Evil. And evil. Not our real names. Nailed it. Hello, weirdos. <laughs> Welcome to A Little Independent. I'm trying out a thing. What we call our listeners weirdos. Is that a new line? I don't know. Like, like, hey, what's that? Your buddy, your favorite, hey, jerks. What's up, jerks? What's up, yeah, jerks? I can't yeah, take yeah. that. Uh, welcome to A Little Independent, the podcast where two friends talk about independent, obscure, or just plain weird movies. I'm Ryan. And I'm Todd, a celebration of independent film. Hi, Todd. That was my middle name. That's bulky. Hi, Ryan. And there it is. <laughs> the other trademark. So we, we were talking before we, we pressed record, and it's been a while. And a lot's happened since, at least for me, a lot's happened. You, you are the, the $6 million man. Yeah. I, I've had a full hip replacement, new job. And, um, yeah, it feels like a lot of mileage in between. But this yeah, is lost feeling some good. weight, I noticed immediately. Well, you know, that's what a hip replacement surgery will do for you, I guess. I got to get me one of those. Don't recommend doing it just for cause. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how long has it been? Six weeks, I want to say. Since, since our last. Yeah, about the end of February. I think, but uh, it's good to be back, and um, I've had some time to reflect, Todd, on this podcast, and <laughs> I will say to listeners who are still with us, I, I've, I, I'm going to relax a little bit, you know, I, I, was, I was too hardcore on every detail, on every fly on the wall, and I've decided to have more fun with this, and I, you know, I took notes, and I think that would be good commentary, but I'm trying to you know, rely on my terrible memory more, which I think will be more fun <laughs> for for maybe you or frustrating for, for you. <laughs> fun for whom? No. So I, if listeners are still with us uh, at episode seven at this point, I apologize for my just unwavering and aggressive fastidiousness. But uh, I'm I just going to try to... We're both finding our sea legs because yeah, I, I think I was very, you know, I would always back up and say, oh, this point, we missed this. And yeah. So we're going to try a little more relaxed. Yeah, people, we want them to watch the format. movie, but we're going to go through them like we do in our best way. But... Um, a little more Spicoli. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I almost did a, a McConaughey line. That was my skull. <laughs> I'm so wasted. Mr. Hand. <laughs> I always wanted to order pizza in my classroom. Like, I thought that was the pinnacle that, of the movie. thing to do, <laughs> aside from having Phoebe Just Cates. what in the you hell know, do you think you're doing? Swim in my swimming pool that I didn't have and take her top off and wanted to work at Long John Silver's. Think Phoebe would uh, do a cameo for you? Well, now? I don't know. She's been retired from acting for a long time. She's Mrs. Yeah, Kevin she, Klein. Yeah, yeah. We probably shouldn't yeah. request such a thing. So, um, our last movie... Was in a world. Yeah, I was like, thank you, because I <laughs> which six was, weeks ago, you know, like, a movie what? voiceover movie, and we've transitioned to your movie this week, which it's not in the woods, which is interesting. 
woods. They weren't all in the woods. Not all no. in the woods, yeah, I guess. Brian thinks I have a thing for the woods. You I absolutely have a thing. <laughs> but you also have a thing, and I always think this is cool, and I was telling, talking to my wife about this last night, about the particular location that this movie is set in. You love movies set in France. Yeah. I, yeah, I do, like the, I do like the backdrop, absolutely. And it's compelling in this movie, which is called Swimming Pool. 2003. So how'd you find this one? Back then, it I was getting all the magazines uh, for you youngsters. Those are actual physical books. Printed material. <laughs> Printed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor trees. And uh, yeah, I remember this making a little bit of noise, you know, back you know on the magazines and talking about it. And, and it was in cans in 2003. That's cool. You're not being facetious. So like you read about the movie... Yeah, like yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, the hot blonde laying by the pool, and I said, oh, I got to own this. I remember distinctly this movie cover in the video store. Yeah, and I used to, well, I owned it, but, you know, since the fire. <laughs> oh. All my, yeah, I used to own a lot of movies, uh, but that, yeah, I at one point did buy that one. So this cover is, is definitely compelling, but it's it's not super lurid or lascivious it's just it's a really well shot cover it's pretty it's just her laying in a bikini a girl in a bikini yeah crystal you know, clear it could water. be like lolita or something else but it's a cool cover yeah now i have to tell you this in going into this film um for another podcast that i listened to about bad movies it just so happens i didn't tell you this no but back to back my wife and i have watched two erotic thrillers oh. so going into this movie we had watched jade yep yep with linda fiorentino and david caruso yep and the night before we watched this we watched body of evidence Ooh, with madonna and willem dafoe yep and so, so you this worked your is way my, through the 90s this is my <laughs> space going into this oh, movie man because it's it's billed as a crime drama mystery. Yeah, murder mystery. But right. I, I assumed with the, the bikini girl on the cover that there may be an erotic mm-hmm. tone to this. So I was, I think, pretty excited because I felt like I'd done homework or something. <laughs> you were well prepared. <laughs> yeah. And I have seen it in one description, an erotic thriller. Oh, really? But yeah, murder mystery is really more, more accurate. I so think. you said 2003. Yep. And it was in cans as well. It, it was. And the description of it is uh, a British mystery author visits her publisher's home in the south of France where her interaction with his unusual daughter sets off some touchy dynamics. Do you think that that's pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah. And th- this one's got a lot of we're going to get into like your take on it and everyone's take on it. I'm going to say this is like a painting on the wall. I have and- questions. I have so, so many questions for you. Because I know you've seen it more times than me. Yeah. I've only seen it once. Well, it's so a painting many on the wall, and every you, you're going to have different interpretations. And it's yeah. it's European filmmaking's this way. France, Italy, you know, they 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 are different than that's we are. what we kept on saying during like fucking French, yeah. French. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck was <laughs> this that about? French. <laughs> so it's it's a crime drama mystery, and it stars Charlotte Rampling. And we talked about this before. Had you seen her in anything? Can you recognize? No, but I can't wait. You're, you're going to drop the bomb I, on that. Well, one, no, on, I uh, the I like her, 
And she has been in 131 different film or TV productions. 131. A lot. That's incredible. But you got to you got to give the nod to the uh Herzog what what uh, Zardoz. Zardoz. <laughs> Herzog. Yeah, Werner Herzog oh, no. in a diaper. <laughs> she was in Zardoz. The infamous movie in which Sean Connery is wearing a red diaper and has a ponytail the yeah. whole time. But didn't you say she was like the love interest? She's, oh, like, she's, she's like the young hottie, She is right? a beautiful young woman. Okay. She's I have gorgeous. Not, I, have, I have not seen that. And, and dare I say, I think a pretty striking you know, uh, current woman. Um, she's in a movie I love called The Verdict. Did you ever see The Verdict with Paul Newman? Yeah. yeah. She's in that. Uh, Angel Heart with... Um, De Niro and Mickey Rourke. Okay. Uh, DOA, speaking of erotic thrillers, do you remember DOA with um, Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid? Ooh, ooh. It was like- in, Bare- Barely. I don't like thinking of them as like, I don't like, I like Meg Ryan, but I don't want to see her boobs. You know what I mean? She did a few of those. She did. You know, she did, well, like in Knocked Up, he says, I'm going to show you Meg Ryan's boobs. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So I don't think of her as sex. I don't. I'm like I like her. She's yeah. charming, but I don't want to see her get banged no, in movies. She's Hanks. Hanks is you know. Oh, Joe versus the volcano. Yeah, and Charlotte Rampling is also in Orca the Killer Whale. Well, I saw her recently in Red Sparrow. She is in Red Sparrow. Yeah, right, right, she right. She is the Russian trainer of these women, making them do. God awful things for, exactly. for for God not forgotten for country like a Suspiria situation. <laughs> yeah. So Charlotte Rampling, I, I've I've liked for a long time, and to see her as a more mature actress in a movie like this was really cool to me. Like I told you, then second cast and and I'm gonna say I'm sorry right now is all the French name. I'm gonna try to pronounce them like no a real Midwest pronounce. idiot. Yep, that's how but I pronounce it. Ludivine Sagny Sagnier. <laughs> she. She plays Julie. Um, Julie. She was born in France. Had you seen her in anything before? No, but when I looked up how many she did, she's done sixty-seven films and a lot of French movies. There, look, mostly all. And in fact, the most recent one I saw is a series on uh, Netflix right now about Robin Banks, Loop Loopkin, something like that. Oh, okay. She's she's in that. Okay. And I haven't watched it yet, but. The, oh, that's cool. One time I was going to go watch. It wasn't a movie. It's a whole series. So I, at that time, I just wanted to watch that's a two-hour awesome. movie. The only thing that stood out is she played Tink in the 2003 Peter Pan movie uh, with Jason Isaacs as Captain Hook. And as naked as she was throughout this movie, yeah. I was concerned immediately. I looked it up. She was 24. <laughs> or 24 when this was released, ostensibly 23 at least by the time – or when she was making the movie, yeah, well, because there are there are scenes <laughs> where she looks like a juvenile. She looks twelve, and I don't know she, if that's on purpose, but there's some shots of her she yeah. looks well older. Some shots she looks really it's young. The lighting, I think, and I think that's a, a directorial thing. Uh, third build, Charles Dance. I kept waiting for him to ride in a horse and a horse <laughs> and had that horse shit all over the floor. <laughs> fucking French. <laughs> that would have happened. No, there would have been a no, clown riding on top game, of it. You no, know, Game of Thrones. You, you know, I know, I know. Okay, <laughs> he played I'm just sure you're Tywin me. Lannister most yeah. famously. But what's interesting, I love Charles Dance, and he's been in a bunch. But the thing I will say 
is recently I watched with our kids Last Action Hero, and he's the villain in that, and he's so good in it. Oh, okay. With the changing eyeball, fake eyeball thing. And I just watched, in like the couple of days I was recovering from hip surgery, I watched Alien 1, 2, 3, and Resurrection. Mm-hmm. And he's an Alien 3. Yeah. Much maligned movie. I personally am in, I think, a minority. I love Alien 3. I think it's great. The CG's weird, but it's just, it's a weird-ass movie, and he's really good in it. Yeah, and the dynamic between those two, yeah. him and uh, Ripley, so, yeah. is, is, is Sigourney's great, great in it. Yeah. It's really a, it, and, and it's, that movie almost feels French in a way. It has those kind of unique artistic, <laughs> and the director's cut is really great, and it improves, I think, on the original. Yeah. And then Charles Dance, again, he plays like that guy in a bunch of movies, but he was in a movie called Starter for Ten which was the first movie I saw James McAvoy in oh. back in the day. And I remember, like, this kid's good. Like, yeah, I, I dug... That was early, though. Yeah. Um, fourth build is Jean-Marie Lamour, who plays Frank. Frank. Spelled F-R-A-N-C-K. Can you, yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to say who he reminded me of. Who oh, he, who did he remind you of? A porn star? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the mustache. Yeah, the, you know, the big guy with the-, with the Ron Jeremy? Nope. Like a tall, thin no, Ron who Jeremy? No, who did Val Kilmer play? In, uh, oh, in Wonderland. In, in, uh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Long Holmes. He played John Holmes. <laughs> Johnny Long Holmes? <laughs> I just want call him Johnny Long Dick. Well, you know, the scene the scene in the middle of the movie there, yeah. you know. yeah. That. So Frank, I'd never seen him in anything. Had you seen him in anything before? No. No. Um, the one thing that stood out is he was in a movie called I Want to Be a Gangster, and his character name was La Home. And I thought it was a comedy, so I clicked on it. Not a comedy. It's a very serious movie called I Want to Be a that's, Gangster. That's where you go fucking French. That's that's their name for a real gangster. I just La thought homie. like it'd be a French slapstick, I Want to Be a Gangster. Yeah. No. Um, and then last build I think it's notable is Mark Fayol, who plays Marcel. The fingering madman. <laughs> you think Abe's doing that? That's the only thing he was capable of doing. We'll get there. But um, <laughs> Swimming Pool is notable because it was his last film, and he passed away in 2008. So Swimming Pool was his last film. So we got we got John Holmes, and we got Marcel, the got... fingering madman. <laughs> and then we got Julie. Julie. Uh, it was written by uh, Emmanuel Bernheim, and I think written by means novel is this a novel do you know i couldn't well, find I that well i saw it was a writer director well it, it's on imdb it's the credit is written by emmanuel bernheim and if you look her up she's credited with the novel so maybe she's just given credit of written so she wrote yeah. the book but the screenplay so, and directed by francois ozon okay so it, it must be an adapted screenplay i'm then. guessing yeah or maybe she helped uh tagline Ooh, i don't know this one there's two on the surface, all is calm. Boo. Okay, maybe you'll like this one. <laughs> Dive into this summer's sexiest mystery. Double boo. <laughs> all right, so I have to write a better tagline. Yeah, it's an I... hour and 42 minutes. Uh, no budget <laughs> info on this, but the United States gross $10 million, Worldwide gross $22 million, $22.4 million. So $12 million in addition... To the United States. Well, no, no, that, yeah, that, yeah. But I mean, it couldn't have been made for that much money. No. Uh, Charlotte Rampling, it's, I'm sure, wasn't demanding millions of dollars per movie. 
um, you know, there's locations, but it so it it made it was successful for sure. Yeah, 85 percent of it shot in one location. Yeah. Um, now there are two versions. There is a rated R version and a unrated version. Ooh. Now, which one did I run for ninety nine cents? So, <laughs> the unrated version. This is the only distinction I could find, and I, the unrated version features full frontal nudity. I think I saw the unrated version. Well, I saw full frontal on uh, on two people in this movie, and three if you count Frank. If you look real hard, <laughs> real hard. No, no, no. <laughs> he just came out of the pool, so it was real soft. But. I was in the pool. <laughs> I was in the pool. Oh, that's a pop culture reference that goes over that my head. I never Seinfeld watched Seinfeld. Classic, never watched Brian. Seinfeld. How can you not know that? Never. I know that. I've never watched the show. You never watched Seinfeld. Shame so the you. movie was nominated for 19 different awards, which I think is really cool. Yep. Uh, notably, it won Best Film at the Bangkok World Film Festival. And <laughs> to, to piggyback off um, In a World... It was nominated for Best Independent Film at the Golden Trailer Awards, oh. which is featured in the movie In yeah. World, yeah. which we, again, discovered was a real thing. Yep. And nominated for the Palme d'Or at Cannes, which is really impressive. Yeah. It's a well-made film. You know, you got a lot of questions on it, but I've watched it a few couple more yeah. times slowly and really analyzing it, so it, it helps, but... I think and that's you what looked makes up a good filming film. locations, right? Because it yeah. starts in London. The bulk is set in apparently the south of France, but was it set in the south of France? Yeah, yeah. They they mention, and I can't say these French words, so it it sucks. So it's I filmed wish I could. in Luberon and yep. Vaucluse, France, and and they mention Luberon in the film at least twice. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Okay, so at that, least two times. So it was filmed in the town that it was apparently. Yeah. And Franck is from a little town up the road where the castle for the... Uh, Marquis de Sade. Thank you. <laughs> Which quills, uh, that'll probably oh, be boy. one that we're going to do. Jeffrey Rush. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Did you ever see the movie Johnny Depp did? Uh, what was it called? He plays the Marquis de Sade. The Libertine? Ooh. Holy cow. I don't know if I've seen it's that It's dark one. and it's nuts. Yeah. Quills is... I love quills. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't again, think I've seen Johnny Depp's version of that. It's, I mean, it, you don't totally need to, but anyway. So our movie opens in London because uh, there's an iconic shot of the London Bridge and everything. In uh, Big Ben, in Big Ben, Parliament, in Parliament, Big Ben, can't make a left. <laughs> <laughs> you are right there with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Look, kids, forget it. <laughs> so what I, I noticed, uh, you know, like when you there, there's so many movies that. Uh, you know, identify and do that identifying shot. Yeah, and establishing I'm, shot. I was establishing shot, and I'm thinking I thought this was a South of France movie, but you know, having it kind of grounded in London helps, you know, make her transition and make the transition to France cool. But it opens on the tube. I've never been to London. I've been never been on the tube. But did did you notice how nice everybody is on the tube? Everything's nice, and there's no graffiti. It looks lovely. <laughs> Well, they were all in their own little world, which you've ridden trains to work. So yeah, that's true. You, you kind of explain that. You would just read every yeah. day, and everybody's just kind of in their own little yeah, pocket. What I noticed immediately, though, is the music. Now, the yep. music. I, I have a comment on that, 90s too. I wrote it down. thriller. What did, you, what did you write down? The, the Ninth Gate. I, I wrote Basic Instinct. Shit. 
It's the exact same melody, yeah. a basic instinct, and, I and think, also I think it's in ninth gate. To yeah. your point, close to the ninth gate. So it might just be like it's a classical piece that you don't have to license. Oh, so that, but it's that haunting melody, and and I I'm gonna watch the ninth gate again, but I swear, Frank Langella, baby. Yeah. Oh yeah, who's also in Body of Evidence, lights himself on fire. But the music was immediately. Jess and I were like. 90s thriller in in but then i'm like the melody and I, I i pulled up youtube and i pulled up the basic instinct theme and it's the same melody that's funny you picked up on that yeah well i had not yeah i i thought ninth gate immediately it's <laughs> what i felt which is set in europe but it has this kind of it, it it's a thriller i mean the music is really clear as a thriller yeah and they're on the tube and you notice a woman reading a book there's yeah. a picture on the back of the book. <laughs> she looks across from her and says, aren't you Sarah Morton, our lead character? And she denies. And she says, wait, wait. Wait, I'm not. No. <laughs> she's some other person. Yeah, yeah she she's frumpy, unhappy. Yeah. And, and nobody can look more forlorn and unhappy <laughs> like her. Yeah. That actress, she just like. Well, and her she character, does it a few times. Yeah, and her arc is pretty simple. You know, she it's basically sad face, happy face. Charlotte you know? Rampley, yes. There's that's no whole in between. Arc. Yeah, it's just from beginning to the end. That's her. That's her arc. But, but if she it, says, when in her response, because um, I wrote that down, um, I'm not the person that you think I am, and I think that line sets up her whole character. Yeah, because she's just unhappy with her life, unhappy with her writing. She's, you know. So if you know it's about a writer who goes to her publisher's house, maybe you assume that this is her, obviously, because she's on the back of a book. She stops off at a pub to get yeah. a drink of whiskey. Yeah, which, you know, there, there's your French, there's your Euro- European influence, because that would have been cut in America. We're really taking it, the French to task on this podcast. Yeah, so I, loved, no I, love, I love France, but I'm just, I'm just comparing the differences because... That scene didn't really do anything for the movie. Maybe yeah. a little character development because she orders a whiskey. Well, you're going to think like she's an alcoholic, but she's not. But it's so short. It just. But I think it sets it up was, the fa- fact that she goes to her publishers and Charles Dance is her publisher, John. Yeah. And it sounds like she's having trouble. Maybe writer's block and maybe something. And they're having a discussion well, about her her career, her last yeah. book. She's making even more frumpy, pouty face yeah. in the office. And, and she's known for this series of mystery books starring a detective named Dorwell. Do you think that there is a romantic history or a current romantic involvement between Sarah and John? There is 100% a history between them. It feels like that, right? Yeah, well, and it gets picked up on later. You know, They don't actually say it. But the the subtext for that is very strong for me, yeah. But in the I, office, Sarah comes in, Charlotte Rampling's character comes in, thousand percent bitch. Yeah. Like mean to everybody, just just tires scraping the pavement, just like bah, bah, Yeah, what what does she say about the young writer? Uh what little Oh, she meets a young writer and what what great thing has he done? He just won an award. Yeah, but she calls him some well, she's, some pretty she, bad name. She's salty and maybe it feels like a has been. Exactly. But he makes a suggestion. John makes a suggestion. He says, do you like France? And well, why don't you um, maybe go to my house in France? And is that like, 
you know, it's a catalyst for the movie, right? Yeah. You know, early on, I got my, we're doing the Todd's spiritual corner, spiritual moment. Oh, this is a spiritual moment? This is it. Oh, cool. All right. So along with, you know, when she's being super mega bitch, he says, whatever he says, she's like, of course you would, can only talk to me about money. And then he says, you know, oh, oh, you didn't like the last door. Well, I knew it. You didn't have the balls to tell me. And he says, of course I did. And then she says, well, of course you did. All the money it makes you. So no matter what he says, she's just, you know, ripping his face off. Right. It, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. So instead of reacting, um, so my spiritual moment is the catalyst uh, that puts the whole story into motion. Um, so John, he stays in a place of witnessing and he doesn't react, um, analyze or judge to to her, uh, you know, to those negative comments. He witnesses where she is stuck in her anger and resentment. And um, and he walks over to the window and he takes a deep breath. You can actually hear it. And offers a place of healing, creativity, um, to return to her, right. you know, creative spot. And then he says, do you like France? Interesting. And so that... You know, and you with a psychology background, I would think you would say, "Yeah, she's, you know, he's he's listening and you know coming but up with the right." They've also set up the fact that he is a he's a publisher who cares only about money. Uh-huh. They may have something, but he's offering his home to her right. because he knows there's a payoff because she's got to produce. Yeah, but she. She said some pretty triggering things to him, you right? Know, where, or, uh, Which made me guys think that would they just, had a relationship, and uh, that's why it was so. Yeah, like you don't, you didn't have the balls to tell me, which yeah. was kind of a bold thing to say to your boss, essentially. Yeah, and so for him to stay in a place of witnessing at that, and then you know, take a deep breath, and then come up with yeah a, a, a solution. A solution. Yeah, and so as we go through this, I'm going to tell you things that I thought as I thought them. Knowing the end. You don't have to say anything. I'm just going to tell you what I thought as I thought them. Okay. Because I've, I've done, I've changed. I've gone back and forth twice. Okay. On my, on, so you have one direct I, I have I have switcheroos viewing. that's happened and I have questions for you. But so she he suggests that, that she goes to his, his house in the south of France. She asks if he'll be able to visit and he makes a point of saying he may not be able to visit because he has to see his daughter. So at least you tee up that he has a daughter. Yeah. And he's making excuses maybe to not want to see her. Yeah, because in the office, he's kind of like leading like, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll come out for a weekend. Yeah. But then when they get on the phone later, he's, jaunty, just, yeah. he's just like. So notable, <laughs> got another she, call. she goes home and there's an old man sleeping in a chair yep. who maybe asleep from whiskey. She drinks the remainder of a glass. I was like, husband? turns out it's her dad yep <laughs> that she just leaves in a chair so she yeah so <laughs> she's she, like i'm the fuck out of here i'm going to south of france she's good she's, luck with your incontinence and change your diapers twice a day if you need help ask for ask ask who the neighbor lady <laughs> so she she bails on that guy very quick and what i notice is when she arrives in france and and it's not a long arduous journey you know in europe you know you know better than anybody it's easy to get around She's light immediately. Like, does she get? Does she arrive by train? Yeah, and I had to look that up because I actually, you know, it's been I haven't been over there in thirty years. So, 
I was like, you can take a train to, you know, I'm like, there's a, you know, yeah. there's a river there. There's a, there's a, so a immediately there. there's just a lightness to her. Her face is lifted mm-hmm. and she's met by Marcel who's holding a cardboard sign with her name on it. And I thought based on what we knew, she would be pissed at this guy. Like, how dare you show up at this to greet me with a cardboard sign? But she's lovely to him. And she's oh, just like... Oh, you thought she was a little hoity-toity. I thought she was going to be mean to him. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you? And she shoves him in a, you know, he shoves her in a Peugeot. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, this poor guy. But she's light on her feet, and it seems like the air is doing her good already. Yeah. Just, uh, and even the ride, you know, when they leave in his little car... Um, they, you know, they have a beautiful country, yeah, countryside, mountainous. And that's view. what's great about these movies is it makes you like long to visit those places. And yeah. immediately, as soon, you know, London, I have no desire. And I think a lot of films, like you know, it, it is a counterpoint to London. They make London look oppressive and city and loud. Yeah. And then you see the south of France, and it's like, wow, that looks really, well, really nice. And when John looked out the window, you know, and said, "Do you like France?" He's looking out at this bleak, rainy. Um, exactly. And just a quick little tidbit about the train, because I looked it up. It, it, from London to Paris, you get there in less than two and a half hours by the Eurostar train. Sure. So in less than two and a half hours, you're from rainy London to at least yeah. to Paris. And she and makes Paris a point later a, to say it's hard to write about England when you're in yeah. sunny France. And, and Paris is south of, in the southern France, but it, it just... Let you know, it's a pretty quick trip. And she gets into this house, and what I think is interesting is they don't show an establishing shot of the outside of the house for a while. So they she walks in the house, and it looks like I'm thinking a cot in my head, like a little cottage. Uh huh. Which is interesting filmmaking, because you know it, it's very provincial. I'm surprised there's a TV. There's pictures on the <laughs> mantel, and she picks a bedroom. Of which um, I, I assume there's more than one. Well, the first bedroom had the little foam mattress on the on floor the ground, with, yeah. the, with the teddy bear on it. Yeah. Yeah. So then she picks another room that's a little larger. Yeah. And the first thing she does is take the cross off the wall. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know what the point of that was other than to show she's an atheist. And it comes up more than once because she, the cross shows back up on the wall. She rips that sucker right down. Yeah. And she. You know, when you're staying in in your publisher's house, she's surprisingly not very curious about things. But in the room that she's in, she opens the 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 closet or the cabinet, and there's what looks like kimonos in there. There's like three dresses, I want to say. That, I, that went, red thing I wrote was kind kimono. Of a kimono. It looked like that. She yeah. picks one out. She wears it later on. Sniffs it. Yeah. That, then puts it back. Yeah. What what was up with that? <laughs> I guess maybe I guess that's a sure typical it like moldy. Or, yeah, you know, make I sure might it was wear this wearable. later. Maybe if it smells like ass, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, that's a chick thing, right? But you know, so already you're set, you're you're put into this in in this place. You don't really see the surrounding, which I think is really cool filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's all about the house at this point. It's all about her where she lives because she doesn't seem like an outdoorsy type. No, she sits in a room and writes all day. She's pa- pasty white, and she first. And I hate to admit this, but she pulls out a laptop yeah. and a portable printer. And part of me is like, laptop? I thought she'd be writing on a typewriter. <laughs> you were disappointed. I was No, no. I was surprised about the laptop. Yeah. Because the way she's dressed is so frumpy. Oh, yeah. And so baggy. 
that they set her up to be this kind of antiquated yeah. provincialist. And that robe she wears, my God. The robe and the slippers. Yeah. And then there's a hat later on when she's riding yeah, the bike. Yeah, and I yeah. and I all I could hear is dun 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 when she's riding that moped with the hat. Yeah. I'm glad she pulled out the moped because Marcel mentions if yeah. you want to go further than walking into the town through the path, there's a moped and I'm like, She's not getting on that fucking moped. There's no goddamn way. <laughs> Do you wanna There's no way. If you wanna go beyond Franck. So she she, you know, pulls out the laptop and her first foray into town. I find interesting because in every single movie like this, the first thing they do is shop for fruit. There's a fruit stand. There's flowers. There's ran- It's always fruit, and they're picking out fruit. Huh. That's what she does. Yeah. And she goes into a grocery store and ostensibly, I think, steals everything because she's just putting things into her basket and walks out of the door. <laughs> is it the honor system there? You've been. I don't know. She gets they a tub don't show of something. Her, they don't show her paying for it, but okay. that doesn't mean she didn't. <laughs> she gets a tub of something, and this is going to figure prominently in her life. She gets a tub of something off a shelf, and Jess was like, is that ice cream? I'm like, it's not refrigerated. I don't know what the hell it is. I thought it was yogurt. It is yogurt. Okay. <laughs> but they always shop. There's always a fruit it stand. It is yogurt. In these things. It's like, oh, got to pick an apple and a pear, and off she goes. Yeah. She goes in and gets some stuff, and then she ends up in a cafe. And I love, like, so the cafe, did that look like a normal, yeah, like, street-side cafe to you? Well, it looked just uh, like the movie I had you watch with uh, Russell Crowe and the French actress by uh, the alien uh, director. I'm drawing a blank here. Ridley, Ridley Scott. Scott. Ridley Scott's because he owns a home in Provence and it was almost all filmed. Oh, a good there. year. A good year. Looked just like that. Yeah. You know, that region. When I was over there, I was in the French speaking area of uh, Switzerland, Montreux. Nice. Yeah. So I assume every waiter shows up at your table just smoking a cigarette, dropping ashes on your table? Yeah. 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 What do you want? <laughs> In French, of course. So waiter shows up. They're, they're, waiter. We interpret it as rude. I mean, but they are just. But this dude just like smoking. Like they, they're hey. yeah, they're indifferent. They don't you know. And there's a sign in the in the foreground about what this cafe is serving, and it says crepes and spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> what? I saw the crepes. Yeah, or spaghetti something. Spaghetti. Yeah. So it's spaghetti. like crepes and pasta for this place. Yeah. And so I noted the guy who shows up, and I just see him, like, ashing over her meal, like, yeah. how's everything tasting? Okay, good. Okay, see you later. But but he's not, he's got the just quick, short French, like, yeah. just, you don't, it just sounds like he's mumbling. But she, she speaks the language, so they speak together, and she has a nice meal, or a snack, and goes home and prepares lunch. This- She has tea. She has tea, yeah. She asked for tea. Yeah. And she goes home and prepares the most goddamn bizarre lunch. <laughs> yogurt, a giant vat of yogurt, two tomatoes, and yep. Coca-Cola light. Yeah, yeah. Diet. Does it's... No, it says Coca-Cola light. Yeah. So when I was there, everything had, there was no ice. Everything had lemon in it. But oh. granted, that was 30 years ago. And now Montreux has a McDonald's. I would have never left. Right, you were looking for. A I was burger looking when you for. Yeah, there. I'm 21 years old. You know, hair down to my shoulders, and uh, playing rebel. jazz. You music. rebel! Look at yeah. you. 
playing play jazz. Oh, my God. And, and How would you not get find a tattoo a, when you couldn't were Couldn't find a burger. I did never desire to tattoo. When, when we get on film here, it's going to be pretty funny. <laughs> when they see, you know, how, how inked up you are. Well, and, we're, we're, we're different sides of a, of a similar coin. That's all. <laughs> so what, what I notice is, um, like, as a, as a viewer... I'm captive. Uh, like you know, you put yourself in this place. Like, oh yeah, it's. I'd love to have the freedom to just total, write a book. Total fantasy. Yeah. And you know, I have a waiter ashing my eggs <laughs> every morning with a cigarette. Johnny Holmes walks up to your table. Yeah, yeah with his disgusting mustache. <laughs> but she's productive. She starts right away. Right she away. She starts writing as soon as she gets there. And it's it's clearly good for her. Yeah, that's. That's, you know, that's her entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's clearly trying to write the next chapter of Dorwell, this detective, which... Or something else. We really don't know because well, they, they kind of talk keep... about her doing something else. Yeah. Maybe confound your critics. Exactly. But she can't, you know, I think she maybe wants to stay in that same box. We don't know. And then we have, would you call this the inciting incident? When another person shows up at the house, <laughs> what's the inciting incident? Because you talk about this a lot. That's it's like save the cat in the movie. Well, yeah, usually the inciting incident is the the beginning, the very the first scene of the movie. It's like some catalyst that sends the whole movie. So it's into, her, her writer's so, block is that. Yeah, in in what I commented on, um, setting the whole movie in motion by sending her to, her to France. Right. So, okay. Yeah. That that would be for me the inciting incident. But so this is the next level. Yeah. So she, she opens the window because she's too hot, right? Going to bed and first night alone in, you know, she's in a different country alone in a house she's never been at, and she <laughs> she gets woken up to a car pulling up in the driveway, and uh, she hears the door opening and and somebody's downstairs. So, you know, being the ace. Self defense expert right. that she's, she is. She's written murder mystery books. Yes, she she <laughs> takes this little tiny lamp off the nightstand. But she takes, takes a light bulb off. Takes off the shade. <laughs> takes the light bulb off, but holds it like upright in the middle, like a torch, walking down the stairs. How is that a weapon? You got to at least hold it like a club. I I, I would I it would hold it so upside funny. down so that the base was at yeah, the top yeah, for you, more. Yeah, you, you you have to create a club with that. She's holding it in the middle, upright, like she's walking with a lantern without light. And oh my god, is that funny? <laughs> I, you know, I didn't look. I I thought like she's terrified. She well, she, she doesn't is. have the wherewithal to to find a weapon. She doesn't use the weapon correctly, and she discovers a. Blonde, petite blonde girl in the living room, who she scares half to death. Who seems uh, again equally alarmed to see yeah. somebody else in the house. Yeah, and then they start chattering French to one another. This is my house. No, this is my house. Yeah. And uh, then she's like, "Are you English?" Because she can hear her French is like you know is no. Oh, I English didn't catch that. Immediately yeah. goes, "Yeah, are you English?" And then they start speaking. Then they English. start speaking English. Yeah. Because it's I think it's always fascinating how they trans uh, how they get into mm-hmm. the speaking of English in movies. Right, that was a nice transfer. Because most of us Americans are impatient to read <laughs> subtitles, so right. can't do that too long. And we're the big movie watching audience, apparently. Well, yeah, but it's revealed that this is Julie, John's daughter, who was referenced earlier in the movie. Yeah, 
So my first thought, I wrote it down, not his daughter. That was my first thought. Don't say anything. Okay. This is my first thought. Not his daughter. You know why? She looked too young. I don't know why. Larry King, buddy. She looked, <laughs> and, and that may be my my weird stereotypes or whatever, yeah. but I'm thinking, or, or then maybe, you know, like a publicist who was focused on his career, had a kid young, but my first instinct was not his daughter. But they have a uncomfortable compromise. You are daddy's latest conquest? <laughs> and then, yeah, <laughs> she's thinking, oh, this is somebody who dad is shacking up in his, you know, house in the south of France, but is used to it and says, I'm going to be here too. I'm bored of work. I need a break. So which bed did, which bedroom did you take? Yeah. Of course, she took the biggest one. She's going to take another one. Yeah. Julie, the daughter. Yep. She goes in the other one with the little teddy bear yeah. and the mattress on the floor. Yeah. And in one of the next scenes is when you first see an establishing shot of the outside of the house. This place is huge. Yeah, like, it is. Gorgeous. Yeah. Well, they go, yeah, they go their separate ways, or she goes up to the room, and then she calls John, and she's like, bastard. Yeah. You, why didn't you tell me your daughter was here? How am I going to work now? And, and it's, it's a weird... And that, that phone call is going to play back in, I think. Yeah. In, in my, uh, when we discuss what does this movie mean. It, it's, it's one of those things where I didn't expect the house to look the way it looked. I expected it to be more of a cottage, a chateau—not a chateau, a, co- a cottage. Yeah, but it's a kind of sprawling, it's a, stone, like a full-size house, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is where the pool starts to come in. Yeah. Well, she does a little bathtub scene. She goes and takes a. Julie goes and takes a bath. I know. I know. I, again, within minutes of introducing this character, you see her boobs in a bath. Immediately. Laying in a bubble bath with with conveniently one of them hanging out. And and thankfully, you know, again, I looked it up. She was 23, 24 at the time. (laughs) She has a baby face. So we're a little concerned on uh, the legality of uh, your, your, uh, well, we have to say she's a looker. She seems comfortable in the house and makes sense. She's had a long journey. She wants to have a bath. One of her boobs is out of the bath. So maybe you're thinking, oh, this is Danny's house. Maybe she is her daughter, his daughter. But still, my first thought is not his daughter. I don't know why. And it's clear, he he talks about the pool. When Sarah gets to the house, the pool is covered. She takes the cover up and there's leaves. Yeah. And she seems not happy with that, so she leaves it alone. But it's clear that Julie has Marcel... Kind of open up the pool, get it a little clean, but it's not super clean. There's still leaves in it, that kind of thing. Yeah, the next the next morning, Julie's swimming right face in the leaves yeah. and everything. Yeah, I mean it's not gross. And she, yeah, and this is where we have our first topless conversation, where Sarah <laughs> is poolside. Yep, still writing, and Julie just decides to have a conversation <laughs> with her with her boobs out. At least she had her shorts on in that part. She did have her, her yeah. those shorts never get washed. Those are gross shorts. <laughs> but they they I thought the conversation about the pool was interesting because it was kind of a metaphor because you know um, Sarah says pools are boring or is it Julie that says pools are boring? No, Sarah Julie says pools are boring, and then Sarah says cesspool, and it kind of becomes yeah, this Julie's metaphor. like I know what you mean. I like the sea, which yeah. is not what she meant, but. But but Sarah's acting of uncomfortableness when little perky Miss Petite Blonde, you know, gorgeous, perfect body, 
is standing there just trying to make this happy conversation, get to know you type of stuff. Yep. With no top on, basically right in her face, and the way she the way she plays that is so yeah so and it's funny. They're, they're trying to show this, you know, stuffy old English bitty, and the rebellious French yeah girl who's very free and used to being on topless beaches, I guess, and that's what they do. But that's when Sarah Sarah says the pool's too dirty. Julie leaves, and I I laughed when Julie calls Sarah Miss Marple. Yeah. And then I'm like, a literary reference. Okay, I'll leave, oh, you, I'll leave you alone, Miss Marple. It is his daughter. Yeah. So I'm flip-flopping within the first 30 minutes of the movie. Okay. Which I think is interesting. And this exchange upsets Sarah. So she goes back into town, goes back into Porn Guy's restaurant, and is angrily <laughs> and aggressively eating dessert. Did you notice that? She's just like eating yeah, a chocolate yeah. it's like souffle bonbons or, something. or something. Yeah, and she fast. I was like, she didn't taste that. And angry, <laughs> and then she lights a cigarette. Well, that's what they do. There. <laughs> well, but she's never been established as a smoker at this yeah. point. No, Frank. Yeah, Frank is always smoking. And then she comes back to the house. Another bowl of what is with the yogurt? Do you and, know? And spits it out. Another bowl of yogurt. A huge. What is with the yogurt? Is that a metaphor that I'm missing? No, I don't know. I wrote it down. What is with the yogurt? These they are large. These are huge tubs of yogurt. Yeah, they're not the little like cups ice cream. that we. They yeah, look they're like not ice the... cream tubs. But they're, I assume, just gross, lukewarm fermentation. And she's upset with the yogurt. And I think they're establishing that she's eating modestly, which comes into play in a in a later scene. But Julie says. I just bought groceries. Too yeah. bad you don't want any. Yeah, they're 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 arguing at this point because yeah, they're, she wants they're... to she wants to work and Julie's bothering her and yeah, talking to her. The and idea not of clothes. Her, you know, and Julie's <laughs> not being that aggressive or anything. No, she's just being a happy-go-lucky, yeah. but she's not wearing clothes, wearing a top, and yeah. you know, yeah. So maybe if Sarah's novels need a little bit of boobs and sex appeal in them, she should open herself to Julie and talk to her, but. Sarah opens up the refrigerator and sees that it's full of food mm-hmm. that's not yogurt, tomatoes, and Coke Light. Yeah, she, she says what it is in, in, in a French yeah, word. She, uh, foie gras. Yeah. Goose liver. And oh, the scene. What? <laughs> yeah, it's goose liver, pate. Okay. Love foie gras. And, and or is it duck? I, I may be making an error. It's been a long day. But the scene that I loved. Is Sarah going to the refrigerator guiltily? Yeah. She takes a swig of wine from the wine bottle. Yeah. Refills it with water a little bit. This is after Julie has left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's she's sneaking. And then gets the foie gras and gets a sausage Uh and just cuts a little bit and eats it. The tiniest, like, so that it won't be missed. So you won't notice it. Yeah. She's afraid of this 20-year-old kid. Or, or afraid. No, it's more of her like she's being f- caught that she's actually enjoying the little kid, the little annoying yeah. snots food, you know, kind of thing. Or it's the daughter of her publisher, whatever. Or maybe she doesn't yeah, give a shit about that. She plays guy. it so well. It's yeah. And it's, she's it's proud an of herself. Scene. She's got this smug look after she fills the wine back up, like, ha, you'll never catch me. Yeah. I don't know if that works. I think, you know, 
diluted wine but she, changes she drank the color. so little, there's no yeah, way I she guess. would have ever even known. So then the grossest thing, one of the grossest thing happens in this entire movie. Grossest thing. Is Julie comes home with a guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we can say so much about this guy. This guy. <laughs> ugly French guy. Balding, leather pants. In the in the shirt, he's got, he's got yeah he looked so like Sebastian Bach pants from Skid Row yeah you know? yeah yeah he's yeah, yeah. rock guy right and then he's got this Sebastian Bach if he ate too much fried chicken and had black hair and well, was balding we can't compare the looks yeah so yeah well he was smooth shaven you know when you see him in his gross in weird next, French underwear day. but that night he's like they come home they wake her up. Yeah, she puts in her ear, uh, yeah. earplugs. So they're, they're going there. Oh, she sneaks down. They're having intercourse. Julie's on top, just and, bouncing away. And Sarah sees this, goes upstairs, puts in her her earplugs, and goes. But to she sleep. she she starts her voyeurism at that point. I mean, she Sarah is a voyeur. That's an interesting through point. this whole movie. And maybe it's because she's slowly trying to look at something differently for inspiration. She's somehow. getting she's getting book ideas. She can't help herself. She's getting book ideas. And the next day, <laughs> Sarah comes downstairs. Yeah. This guy comes in <laughs> with Andy Sedaris style, like Speed, black Speedo black underwear. Speedo and nothing else. He's just and, pouring and, coffee. And he's got a gut. <laughs> he's like, and I know I shouldn't be talking at all. We, we have guts too. But right? I'm like, we have COVID, baby. This is uh, interesting. And he's pours her a coffee, like, hey, here's some coffee. Yeah, I just, I, I made coffee. Well, my favorite part of that whole interaction is because it's super uncomfortable. Because she says to him, bonjour, and then he's like, in French, I have made coffee. And she goes over and gets the coffee, right? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I hope we weren't too loud last night, speaking in French, because there's subtitles. And then she immediately replies, in French, I don't speak French. I don't understand a word you're saying. Yeah. Like she, in French. She couldn't understand sex t- sex sounds. And then and then and then walks out. So here's the question. Are sex sounds in French different than no. they are to us? But she says in French to him, I don't speak French and I don't understand a word that you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. In French. So she's basically so fuck just, you. Just condescending him. Yeah. And so he leaves. Julie tries to kind of keep him around, like, I'll see you later. And he's just tries like, to get a Peace. quickie while he's getting dressed. Yeah. Peace out. I'm out. Yeah, I got to go to work. Now, says. another perception of mine is did Quentin Tarantino influence this movie? Because how many shots of feet are in this movie? Well, Tons. he likes to start at the feet and work up. So yeah. the And it starts with the bathtub when Julie's in the bathtub. Yeah, she's, this is Tarantino to the T. Yeah. So are you talking about, is this her lane poolside? Yeah, there's feet everywhere. <laughs> no, with, with Frank standing over, is this, or is that later on? Is no, this is it. And now I'm going to tell you why I may hate you, because I'm forever changed and disturbed by this particular scene <laughs> in this goddamn movie. <laughs> Julia's sunbathing, feet up to her midsection, and then you see legs. And it slowly pans up the legs. Oh, yeah. And you see inner thigh, blonde inner thigh hair. (laughs) And then a Speedo. And then what looks like ball hair just coming out of the Speedo. And then it's the waiter, Frank. Oh, you didn't, you you left out the big chubby, right? No, no, no. (laughs) I'm going to get there. (laughs) 
because I'm pretty sure that's what you're mad about. He's standing over <laughs> Julie, yeah, and begins touching himself. She is touching herself. Is this a like weird French greeting that I'm not aware of? This inserted scene, and it duplicates itself later with Sarah. Makes no sense. Is this a ritual that I'm not aware of? I don't know what. I don't know why it's like there. If you meet somebody poolside, you'd got to jerk it. Yeah. Before they do, or else it's rude. Well, it's clearly a, a daydream. Interesting. I did not think of that. But at all. I don't know why it's in the movie because because you hear the sounds of Julie banging somebody that night. You think it's Frank. Cut to the next morning. It's another. It's a gross old bald dude. Yeah. So now I'm oh, really we're in, confused. We're on guy the second night. Guy number yeah, two. Yeah, but this immediately follows Bernard. Frank. Yeah. This immediately follows the Frank poolside scene, and it goes to her having sex with somebody yeah. else. I I don't know why that's. I mean, artistic. I don't know. Using what you got, he's French. Got a, he's got a right. It's fucking French. Well, at this point, I'm like, okay, she's a prostitute. <laughs> I'm not kidding, because these guys seem to want nothing to do with her. They're one and done. They're out. They're not coming back the next day. No, and she's she's looking for love in all the wrong places, but just, you know, she's a 20-year-old sowing her but, oats, man. Again, I get a small town, but Jesus, God, these guys. This guy is, her, like, easily her uh, father, you know, yeah, the father's age. And then and then the same thing, you know, he so runs this point, into- I'm sure he's not, I'm sure Julie is not this guy's daughter. I am absolutely sure she's squatting in this house. <laughs> Is a prostitute. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about the interaction? The ne- you know the next morning again. Uh, Sarah's you know in that got off a ugly robe, getting her coffee, you know, and then out comes this guy, and he's yeah, yeah again, hey. bonjour, in like a leather vest, just gross, on yeah, gross. and well, he's doesn't know, and he doesn't know Julie's name. So now, Sarah's getting suspect of Julie, and this is what I think is kind of cool. She goes through Julie's stuff, finds a diary. Reads it, the voyeurism, and part. goes to her, to her computer and opens a file called Julie. Yeah, and I think that's that's like a turning point in the movie for sure. Yeah, it's a plot point. And what I love in one of the best scenes of the movie, which turned me again, is the <laughs> dinner that they have because they're slowly, you know, Sarah is slowly kind of becoming more open to Julie, one, because she either feels sorry for her, or two, sees her as artistic inspiration. Yeah, and she wants to get more out of her. But the the creating the Julie file and then her her changing her writing direction um, comes from, you know, she's reading her diaries, which is, you know, well, god-awful. I, I didn't know exactly what... Yeah, her personal diaries, and there's a picture of her mother in what, it. Yeah, there's a picture of her mother, but you really don't know what's what. I didn't know what Sarah was doing, how she was pivoting, if she's pivoting at all. Um, so yeah, because she, she created the Julie file and got rid of the other the file. the dinner? Is it Sarah or Julie? Uh-huh. Sarah suggests going Sarah to invites her to dinner and says we got off on the wrong foot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think at this point she's like, I need to know more. And they have a dinner, and Julie is, is, is telling story. The first time she fell in love, she says the first time she did it was 13. Yeah. And she's really compelling. And she hasn't, yeah, hasn't stopped since. Really compelling. And- and it, it's it's clear Sarah's really soaking this up because she says, tell me more. Do you want to know more secrets about my dad? And Sarah says, I want to know more about your mom. 
Yeah. And so this is my clip. Okay. And it has. I thought you were getting a text. That's how out of practice we are, or I am with you. No. I'm like, I'm like, he's getting a text in the middle. I got to carry this for a little bit. No. Nope. <laughs> and I forgot you have your. No. Nope. You have your clip on your phone. So here's the clip, and <laughs> it, it has. I chose it because it has a bit of the music too. So here is um, after they get back from dinner. Sarah says, "Has your mom ever visited this this home?" And here we go. Okay. Oh, I got notes on that. Perfect. that because I love how that scene ends because it ends with Julie writing in her diary and then she turns the light out and it turns the whole movie off. Yeah. And I actually wrote that whole thing. Everything you just played in the clip, I wrote down as those quotes because that scene, that dialogue turned me back on my opinion of the movie. So I, you know, I changed twice and that, Watch it again. That dialogue, because when that dialogue's being spoke about her mother, they're not in the restaurant. She, Sarah, is like smiling in the in the breeze, like she's having this right epiphany. Yeah. So that made me turn to back. Oh, this is this is yeah, right. This is when Sarah starts smoking weed with Julie. And well, then, in my opinion, on I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Whether this is real. <laughs> Or not. Oh boy. So I've turned three times on this and, and that dialogue and in, in your clip there is exactly what I wrote down on one of them that turned me back. It, inter- I was along for the ride at this point. Yeah. I, I was either sure or unsure that Julie was is or not John's daughter, but something's mm-hmm. going on and I like the two of them coming yeah. together. And I like the effect that Julie's having on well, maybe Sarah's writing. What happened with me is you watch it again and then you change and then you watch it again and you change back. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> and I think the next significant scene is when Julie brings home Frank. Yeah, basically for Sarah because she's just grinning well, I thought at it was a jealousy and... thing, but no, she's trying to set up Sarah with Frank because they're dancing Kind of, sort of. Frank's dancing. Let's talk about Frank's dancing. Are we going to get, get jump to that? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, that's where, I mean, well, he's- Well, Sarah's dancing's even worse. <laughs> she's in this red dress, but it, it becomes clear that she's kind of trying to set up Frank 
Yeah, um, she doesn't let her go to bed. With Sarah. Yeah. And it makes her dance with Frank. And there, I thought this was a three-way situation, and I was going to get kind of grossed out at this point. Um, but... <laughs> what a mess that would be. It Well, you know, it, it's, it's Julie trying to do something nice for Sarah because she maybe thinks that there's something there. And Frank's a decent guy. He's like, this is a well, nice older woman. And, and she asked... She asked Julie about Frank a couple of, yeah. you know, she was asking questions about him. So because, that's cool. Yeah. And then Sarah goes to bed. Frank's like, I'm out of here. But inexplicably, he's back later and they're in the swimming pool. Why does he, why does he come back? Well, I think she follows him out there into the yard, kind of just. But she tries to get him to stay. Pulls him into leaves. the pool, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now Sarah's ostensibly trying to go to bed. Frank and Julie are in the pool and. She's trying to get him to skinny dip, but he's not into it. Like he's not into what's going on. No, she's yeah, she's trying to have sex with him. Julie is in in uh, well, yeah, she basically forces herself, goes yeah. down on the poolside, and he's pushing her away. And he and, gets out. What I noticed, but but Sarah threw the rock into the pool, and the whole thing with that for me was that they were showing that Frank is. Interested in? Are you saying Frank? Yeah, that's how they say it. I changed. I, oh, I, I've been Frank, saying Frank this whole like, Stallone. I did, but earlier if we Frank. if we play the tape, I, Julie says Frank. Hey everybody, I'm sorry I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I've been saying. Frank. Hey Frank, what's going on? Hey 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 Frank, south hey, of France. How's your cafe? <laughs> it's good. I got escargot. You know, it's good. Yeah. Put a little ketchup on it, marinara. So but, I so, think they're setting up that. Frank is interested in Sarah and not Julie because when Sarah throws a rock in the pool, you know she's watching and wants to get out of there. Well, I mean, she throws the rock, she hides, yeah. it disturbs what's going on in the pool. But what I noticed is Frank gets out of the pool, and in a lot of movies, like post coital or whatever, dudes will put on denim over their naked bodies, like no underwear. <laughs> this dude has to put on denim over wet, naked legs <laughs> you try doing that i've watched it three times in the last week and that that's my biggest even, takeaway that never even occurred that's to my me. biggest <laughs> takeaway try to get away from a rapey girl like a rapey 24 year old girl and try to put your denim on over your wet legs you just got out of the pool well that's what you get for trying to get away from a girl that looks like julie i i i, I don't know i i i'd smell crazy on her from a mile away and be like I'm putting this denim on over my wet, naked legs. Yeah, she has, I, I wrote out. in capital letters, abandonment issues. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. That With stems her from her mom. Yeah. But come to find out, as the story moves forward, that Frank is missing. Her dad, not her mom. Oh, no. I mean, you know, Julie has that freak out, you know, and thinks well, Sarah's yeah, her mom. Well, yeah, we later find out her mom is, well, let's get, when we get So, there. Frank is missing, and... Because Sarah goes to the cafe, Frank's not there. The lady who works there is like, Frank is not here. Sometimes he oversleeps. Okay. Yeah, Frank's not serving me my breakfast. But all, it seems all is odd. Not well. So Sarah goes back and she finds blood on the pool deck. And at this point, this is into the movie. And I'm like, interesting. Yeah, because we're, we're I'm, heading, forward to the, heading to the finish. I'm line. waiting for the thriller part. And part of me is like, the thriller is who is Julie? Because this movie could turn into a horror movie at any time. You know, Charlotte Rampling with her hollow face at times. Like, it could be a sinister thing. Yep. So I did not know where it was going. 
And I'm like, oh, okay, Frank's missing, maybe dead. Did Charlotte Rampling kill him? Well, and it's a murder mystery. As an inspiration, because she's not getting inspiration. And then she finds a sock in the grass. She finds underwear in the grass. Shit loads of shit in in the the fireplace. A burnt, the other burnt burnt sock. sock. Yeah. And puts the two, which is a weird, like a white sports sock. It's just a weird thing to put together. These two, like, oh, must be a man's sock. It's clearly not a later, like a hose or something. Was this after she had done all the tracking down and went to Marcel's daughter's house? Okay. So then she, you know, has nothing better to do, but I think is interested and tries to track down Frank and goes to Marcel's house. Yeah. Well, she's suspicious at this point. Yeah. And. She goes to Marcel's house, and Marcel's daughter is a little person, uh-huh. and talks to her about something. And the one th- interesting thing she says is Sarah asks about Julie's mom, and Marcel's daughter says, Julie's mom is dead. It was an accident. Shuts the door. Right. And freak, and act, freaking out. Immediately, again, late in the movie, I'm yeah. like, what is happening now? Yeah. So her, she's been talking about her mom in the present tense. Exactly. Her mom. She told. She told Sarah her mom lives in Nice. Exactly. And he. She had a phone conversation in the beginning with her dad. He. And she said he scolded me not to bother yeah. you, and he told. She told him to call mom. Yeah. Mom's waiting for her call. And then Sarah gets on the phone to talk His to call. John, and he's just not there. Calls yeah. the office. He's out for lunch. But do you remember Julie telling her dad John to call her mom? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and she's waiting for your call. So all present tense that. And so, in Julie's mind, um, her mom, her mom is still alive. She hasn't. And then all of a sudden, boom! This this little person tells us that yeah. it was an accident. And then, before I forget, though, later on, just a little bit later on, she asked Sarah asked Julie where the scar came from, and she says a car, car accident. accident. So I related accident for mom. Yeah. Car accident for Julie, maybe the same incident. Yeah. Okay, but, you know, why would Marcel's daughter be so hypersensitive to that? I don't know. Maybe Another... Marcel caused the accident because I have a theory about Julie and her network. They never explain but that at all. But it turns out that Sarah's a pretty good investigator, and she finds Frank's dead body. Frank is a dead person. He's bleeding and bloody. She follows the trail of blood. And it turns out... That Julie confesses to the murder of Frank after he tried to get his wet mm-hmm. denim on his legs. <laughs> so, As he was trying to get wet denim on his legs. Okay. So I have a murder investigation question for you. You see the size of Julie. Uh-huh. You see the size of Frank. He's a tall guy, yeah. Frank is a beast. Tall, Julie, he's skinny, though. Julie is a... He's, he's, he's 220, 230. I didn't size him up that way. He, he's a beast. He's a big dude. Yeah. And Julie is this petite little five foot four. But she kills him with a rock. No, but so how did the body get into that barn shed or whatever? I'll tell you exactly why. Marcel took him there. Okay. I got a different take. Oh, what's your take? The blood trail. If, If somebody took his body... Did she, well, they you, they would have have to drug the body, and the blood trail would have been smeared. The blood trail was droplets, so Frank 
in a oh, state of uh, walked his way over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. makes sense because it's because it's droplets. That makes sense. Very subtle. <laughs> no, no, that's but a good. That's I, a good I, point. I'm like, how the hell did Julie carry that guy? There's no way she could have carried. That's that a guy. good point for for you murderinos out there and. Ooh, look Todd? at you. <laughs> no, that's a, I can't use that word. All the murderinos need to listen they're, to our no, podcast. No, they're probably going to sue me. I'm sued. I've lost everything. My favorite murder has no, just they, sued me, they, they and we're done. Us. They'll love us. Oh, boy. So <laughs> what's interesting is that when confessed, Julie confessed to killing Frank. Yeah. And it's clear she has mental issues. There's some rage. She was rejected, kills him with a rock. And Sarah helps her move the body onto their property, and bury him. Yeah. Using a wheelbarrow. That's how heavy that Which, bastard was. that's true. Yeah. But at this point, I'm like, this is interesting to me. And is Sarah just doing this artistically? <laughs> because she's clearly she's writing- she's got a good story. <laughs> about either what's happening to her right now- Yeah. Or what hap- she thinks happened to Sarah, or to Julie. Yep. And I'm, I'm really interested and, in this. And my take was it's both. She's melding yeah. the two together. So it's a murder mystery, right. which is her wheelhouse, and then so she can't back out now. She's different. all in, yeah. And I, another scene I don't know if I can forgive you for <laughs> is wait, the, what was the last one? The uh, the speedo. It was the speedo with ball hair and the thigh hair, the blonde thigh hair hanging out with Frank. Jul- Julie's boobs didn't make up for that. No. Oh come Not, on! No amount of boobs would make up for that amount of pubes. <laughs> French pubes that I had to look at. You're mad because he didn't. My wife. He didn't <laughs> had to look at them. No, her, your wife was staring at that. No monster no. schlong. She may, she may have fallen asleep in and out. You're like, thank God. <laughs> it's like Todd's making us watch another porno again. I thought you were going to how inadequate you were feeling <laughs> after watching that scene. No, no, I, I, I was. His mustache was enough to to make me feel just fine, but. Marcel is doing his normal Marcel duties, and he's mowing the grass, and he sees this huge patch that's disturbed, and he starts moving the rock, and Sarah, up on a balcony, says to Marcel, hoo-hoo, and flashes her boobs at him, walks in the house, and Marcel's like, it's my time now. Yep. Took him away from the dead body. He walks, and I get what she's doing, walks into the house. And this is the full frontal that I saw of Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, okay, so we saw the oh, unrated yeah. version. Yep. So, you know, uh, so, we, we fe- there's a whole, like, this is a crime. But how brave was she to do that? I mean, she's she's not a spring chicken. She's she's older. And she, most, but I'm just saying. She's a older lady, for sure. But, right, I agree. But for, for a, a woman thousand, to do that. He's she, a thousand and three years old, yeah. this guy. But I mean, she's full frontal on the bed. I mean, you see everything, and that's pretty brave. So I'm like, this is this is like a crime. What's the future? And this is when the movie really, again, late in the movie, took a cool turn, in that Julie decides to leave and gives Sarah a copy of her mom's book, and in the dinner, she admits to Sarah that her mom wrote a book once. Yeah, her dad didn't like it. Her mom burned the book. Correct. Yeah. That probably destroyed her psyche, moved to Nice. Dad moved on to have another family. But that Julie kept a copy of this book and gives it to Sarah. Yeah. Left it on her bed. Who 
Julie admits that the, it was a Harlequin romance book, and it was sentimental. It was but also she liked avant-garde. It. And it was avant-garde. And she gives this book to Sarah and then pieces out. Yeah. And but she says a beautiful line too, Julie does in the in the letter that she left for Sarah. Um that that by her taking this book and writing about it um could bring her uh, back to life. Is that correct? Let so now I'm notes. like, all right, Julie is John's daughter. This is a big fuck you to her dad, and it's revenge for whatever he did for her mom. Right. Well, shit. So by her saying that, I'm going to flip again, am I? You will – no, because – You it, heard I, it here, I, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Not that kind of flip. She wrote, it, um, in the note on her mother's book, you will bring her back to life. So that is the only time in the entire movie that Julie that. acknowledges her mother's death. That could be in the in And a, it's the very end. Like in a spiritual sense, maybe, but... No. So this is why I have questions she, for you. That, that's her arc. That's her character arc for Julie. Yeah. She, her acceptance. So, okay, this answers questions then. Because yeah. we'll get to the end of the movie. We're doing this live, folks. We're, we're Sarah <laughs> goes back to the publisher, John, and says, what do you think of my new book? And John says, "Yeah, I it's I don't like it. It's not you. Feelings are not your strong point." It, and he says, "It doesn't even sound like you." Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh God, shit! She plagiarized this book." But fine, you know, it it was a mixture of things, I'm sure. Yeah. And then she drops the bomb on what John. What did she do to him? Yeah. That she went face. to another publisher. Yeah. Published it as Swimming Pool to a publisher who loved it. And did you take that that? She said she signed with the other publisher. So I took it that she left him. I think completely. it was a one. It was a one-off. I think that was a one-off. I, fuck that you. That was my first thing. But then when she said she signed with him, and as she's leaving, she says, "Tell uh, whatever that guy's name was that door. Tell his mother yeah. that Dorwell will be back and in good form." Was her fuck you that. I'm going to continue the Dorwell oh, series with without you. You yeah. just lost. You just lost your golden Even ticket. Better. So she submits a book that's already published or about to be sent, you know, yeah. called Swimming Pool, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And she says she signed it for his signed daughter. Signed it for his daughter. Yeah. So here then we the, go. Then the end. Explain this. She leaves. His Sarah daughter leaves. His daughter arrives at the office. Julia. J- you caught that. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought I was going to drop a bomb on you. Uh-uh. So Julia. Yeah. And Clearly it's a, not the it's same a girl. different blonde haired girl and does not recognize Sarah at all. Walks right past her, mm-hmm. hugs daddy, and, and, they, and has a British accent. Yeah, I'm complete here to see British my accent. Yeah. Cut back to the south of France in the swimming pool. Julie up on the balcony, not Julie. Sarah on the balcony waving to Julia, who we just met, and then morphs into Julie. Yeah. And they're both and they're both waving goodbye. But the final shot is of Sarah in the doorway of that publishing office with a smile on her face, and she walks away. Well, the final shot is her waving on the balcony. Well, yeah, but I mean, she when she looks at who's clearly not the person she thought was John's daughter. Oh yeah, the daydreaming look. She yeah, she's like hmm, and walks so, away. So the big question for us and and the audience when they watch this is, is this in her? Made up in Sarah's head? No. Or did this actually happen the way it, it was happened. filmed? It happened because too many people interacted with Julie 
like Marcel and Frank. It, it couldn't have been a different person. Well, they do make a reference to, to John's family in London and that he would never leave his family in London for his her mother and Maybe niece. Maybe John had like a tryst and had a kid out of wedlock. Well, that's what they Julie's do say. Real that. Mom. They said that. But I think Julie is, she's got Marcel in her pocket. He caused the accident that killed her, her real mom. So he owes her. So he's like, I cleaned this house in the south of France. Here's the key. Yeah. You can pretend to be this, this person. And Julie squats and she bangs people for money. And that's how she lives. Well, and I can make a strong case that the whole thing is made up. That, that, that from the very beginning, she, she is alone in that house and makes up the whole daughter scenario. Yeah. And, and creates that whole story on her own. But you I can make it's... that case, but th- again, that what I said earlier about the painting on the wall, that's what's beautiful about this film. You can interpret it. I mean, it could be annoying at the same time because yeah. you can interpret it both ways and you can Fucking make a case French. both ways. <laughs> but a lot of the reviews are, are like upset because they didn't get the ending. I, I, I grappled with it like you did. Yeah. I did not think that the whole thing was a figment of Sarah's imagination. I did not. But you can make a case for you it. You can make a case, a thousand percent. Yeah. But too many, there's too many outside forces that interacted with Julie, that interacted with Sarah, that would that would make it seem weird. Like, well, who, then who why greeted would, her at, at the train station? Why would Who's Sarah the be lawn? so disassociated with murder? Because she's been writing a, about it for And buried a dead body of a guy years. she had a crush on. That's true. Well, you know, I mean, she completely, like, as nonchalantly as you can be about a murder. But maybe it's because she's been writing about it forever and she wants inspiration. No, the real thing is a whole different animal. That's true. I mean, I've only murdered, what, one, two people. <laughs> you? We can cut this, right? We can... <laughs> Oh. Edit. Is a podcast an admission of guilt? Is no. It, yeah. So I... You have I, the right to remain silent. I like this movie a lot. I really did. Oh, I, good. I enjoyed the the... Um, the arc of it, I enjoyed the, I, I, I don't even want to call it twists and turns. I think mm-hmm. interesting story elements, great acting. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a nudity tour de force, but in, in some of it, like when she's just writing in her journal and she's got no top on, I'm like, okay, we get it. You got the boobs and stuff. But in general, I think that the character arcs are fully realized. Yeah. Um, John really doesn't, you know, he, he gets his comeuppance as maybe the villain of the movie. Um, well, and poor Frank died for no reason. That's a bummer. But, um, it, it was a really, and Marcel really fun got, got it on. So he, he did, he did. He got handsy. So, um, typically we end the podcast with a positive and negative review. Okay. On IMDb, there's 340 reviews. Well, as the song said that they were dancing to, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. They're mostly positive reviews. You and couldn't find a, a mean negative one that you no, can I try found, to press my buttons with? So I found two. Okay. I'm actually going to read two negative reviews <laughs> because all the good ones were, were, were great. I didn't find one that stood out. They all said the right thing or not the right things, but things that made sense to me. And I just, I just found the bad ones more fun. So, you know what? I don't always have to read positive reviews each time. We've just established we like the movie and we hope you do too. If you watch it Um, and email us um, at a little independent podcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think. 
But here are some negative reviews. Okay, I'm getting ready. Just two. Uh, one out of ten IMDb. Oof. What happened? Good question. Okay, first of all, I loved her boobs. <laughs> they were very nice. But second of all, what is the ending all about? I'm not sure what the two girls meant. Which one is real and which one is a dream? If one even is a dream. Very artsy film. Should be on some sort of drug to fully understand and appreciate it. I only smoked one bowl before watching it, and that definitely was not enough. (laughs) Tell me he says fucking French, please. (laughs) I suggest shrooms and acid in order to understand this. I don't actually encourage any drugs, for I don't use any, but it's hard to understand. (laughs) He said he just smoked one bowl and he doesn't use drugs. Tell me what this meant. I have no idea. Next... If any girls have that nice of boobs, I salute you as they were very nice as scrumptious. <laughs> God, he, he said okay. very nice like five and times. Scrumptious. I, I read that out loud a few times to not like laugh during it, but holy shit, is that funny <laughs> as hell. And that actually wasn't a bad review. It was just, he, he's like, I don't he fucking get, get it. He didn't get the And that was, a, we discussed that at length, so. All right, here we go. Um, One out of ten, entitled, Why No Lesbian Sex. I simply can't help but feel that this film was violently crying out for less shots of the old woman tirelessly consuming pretentious liberal food and more of the big-breasted slut happily demonstrating to the audience with her obvious desire to engage and some spirited and nude female bonding with the actress who plays her more chaste and average incarnation. Oh, and maybe a few less dwarfs, too. Oh, what a prick. I don't much like... There was one. Oh, and maybe a few less dwarfs, too. I don't much like the little folk, even when so artfully employed by their most noteworthy benefactor, David Lynch. Boring movie. British broad. Bad girl. Bare breasts. Roger Ebert can take his explanation to the grave for all I care. Oh. Huh. So we got one fella who liked boobs but didn't do enough drugs to enjoy the ending or understand it. Yeah. And then one guy who thought that the two leads should have gotten it on, didn't like Little Folk, and Roger Ebert can go fuck himself. So Roger Ebert obviously liked this film. I'm guessing so. Or or at least his his website. Yeah. So, um, thank you, Todd. <laughs> this movie was super fun and really interesting. Well done. Thank you for the choice. Oh, awesome. I hope, uh, I hope you all enjoy it out there. And before we uh, do our wonderful ending line, I, I just want to comment on our new uniforms that Ryan uh, purchased. <laughs> so, at every podcast now, and we will be going on film pretty soon here, so you'll be able to actually see our um, radio faces. Lucky you. Yeah. And we will always be wearing our, uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I got a name for them. This okay. is, these are our wait, wait shirts. <laughs> okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so when you see them uh, down the road here, um, you you'll know what. And that they're means. not exclusive merchandise. These were purchased uh, on an independent website. These are not a little independent merchandise. But maybe we'll incorporate this look into future merchandise logos coming and all that kind of good stuff yeah because i think we've done our wait wait in every single episode so far i think thank you all for listening and hey todd yes right we will always have 
Monte Doro. Who are those guys? Who are those guys? You'll love it. It's just a little bit.